Dynasty Podcast. We are here with your hosts, Dave Reed, Ryan Wilkinson, and Joey Gallo. We are back. Unfortunately, we do not have uh, Joey Gallo with us, but it's all right. You're in good hands with your host, uh, Dave Reed, and my co-host, Ryan Wilkinson. Yeah, welcome, everyone. I believe this is our 10th episode, Dave. It's a a bit of a milestone for us. It it is. What'd you get me? (laughs) Still thinking. Still thinking. Still thinking. No, it is our 10th episode. We are in double digits. Uh, We are legit pod. Pretty pretty crazy. We're still here. I mean, what, reflecting on anything? Any thoughts? Yeah, it's been a fun ride. Ten episode <laughs> ends. You know, we'll see if we make it to twenty. Yeah, here's to the next ten. Um, but <laughs> we are we are now uh, officially through five weeks in the season, and we had some monster, and I'm talking monster performances from a lot of players, uh, which. We like in Dynasty. This is what's getting exciting. Then you're seeing some pretty massive scores from some teams, but unfortunately, there were also some uh, injuries as well, which heartbreaking and from a lot of key players. It's like we'll get we'll get into it, but there's a lot of uh, injuries with that. Not really sure how a lot of teams are going to navigate going forward, but uh, with that, I guess I'll jump into some of them. Like we we we're losing Justin Jefferson. Uh, to an I going to the IR with a hammy. Got James Conner going to the IR with a knee injury. Anthony, Anthony Richardson, multiple weeks, probably IR as well with a grade three AC joint sprain in his throwing arm. My my hero, Devon Achan, on the IR with a knee. Um, we got Khalil Herbert also going to miss multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain. Roshan Johnson has a concussion right now that he's dealing with, but he should potentially be back. Uh, Tank Dell has a concussion from uh, he left the game with. See how what his status is going forward. Daniel Jones, uh, he has a neck injury, which honestly will happen when you get sacked as many times as him. Uh, I saw a funny stat uh, just pausing there. Uh, Andrew Luck, who like he got hit, probably sacked more than anyone during his time, and that was one of the reasons why he retired early. In 86 games, he was sacked 174 times. For Daniel Jones, in 59 games, he's been sacked 177 times. So Daniel Jones is absolutely getting murdered out there. So you're not surprised that he's uh, getting hurt. Yeah, um, that's an insane stat, honestly. Uh, I mean, you know, he we were high on him this year. And, you know, seeing that is, is a pretty good explanation of why he's not doing well. The the offensive line is in champs. He has no left tackle. It's, the Evan Neal has been trash. Like they they need Andrew uh, Thomas back to for him. To, I'm, I still I'm not down on the talent of Dan Jones as much as just the situation. But yeah, like obviously, guys getting murdered. Um, but some other potential positives. Uh, Travis Kelsey he did sprain his ankle in the middle of the game, and uh, everyone was uh, about to have a heart attack because it looked like a non contact injury. You watch the video, it was actually just like a low ankle sprain. He got right back in the game. Well, I was going to say right back, about a quarter later, right back in the game. But you, if you look at the stat line, like you never would have thought he didn't miss any time. I think he had like 10 catches for like 70-something yards and a touchdown. So a vintage Kelsey game. Um, Amon Ron St. Brown uh, missed last week with an abdom, um, abdomen uh, issue, which 
you're hoping doesn't uh, become uh, a hernia, like sports hernia, which that would derail him. But it does sound like he's going to play this week, which is a very good sign. So a crisis averted there. And Barkley is set to return this week as well. Damn, do the Giants need it. Um, I was just going to say, Breda has not been cutting it. So the Giants definitely need Barkley back. The, the whole offense has not been cutting it. I think Barkley's going to get fed uh, like nonstop. But what other of those injuries do you think are the most impactful? I mean, some of them are pretty obvious, but which ones are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, overall, I have to say between last week and this week, I feel like the injuries have been pretty crazy. And it seems like more significant than in seasons past. I don't know if that's maybe just paying attention more, but uh, there's some big names in here. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is a huge injury. You know, maybe Osborne steps up a little bit more or, you know, Addison now takes over that Justin Jefferson role. But for anyone with Jefferson, that's a huge loss. Uh, James Conner, too. He was a workhorse back that you're now losing. Um, And, you know, Anthony Richardson, multiple weeks, um, he was doing really well. Um, so it's, it's tough to see those guys go, uh, the entire Chicago backfield. I mean, <laughs> Herbert ankle Johnson concussion, even Homer had a hamstring injury opens the door for healthy scratch, uh, down yeah, to Foreman. Is um, back. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's back. Uh, literally a healthy scratch the last couple of games and might be the starter now because, uh, there's so many injuries in that backfield. Uh, And then one other, we don't talk about defense too much, but it can have an impact on the offensive players. Uh, Matt Milano of Buffalo, um, you know, he's looking like he's potentially done for the season, I believe. And with Tredavious White out last week for the season, you know, they're getting crushed by injuries on the defensive side. Maybe that means more throwing for Allen, Diggs, and Davis. They might have to catch up more, score more points. Um, And, you know, we're already seeing it a little bit. Um, You know, they lost to the Jaguars and uh, Josh Allen had his most passing yards by a pretty good margin in week five. So something to keep an eye on, too. Yeah, the Bills were a unit you weren't. You tried almost wanted to stay away from starting your players against. And now it's uh, there's still a lot of talent on that defense, but it is not as threatening as it once was. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I, I agree to your point like this week. It feels worse because, like, you are losing like the like some elite players to actual IR, which is minimum four weeks that a player has to be on the IR for. So that teams don't make that decision lightly. Um, a lot of times, especially star players, I think Jamar Chase, he, I think he ended up missing four games last year, but they didn't put him on IR because they were hoping he could get back after three. So if there's any hope that they can get back earlier than four weeks, they will not put at least these star players on. So the fact that they are going on means it's serious and they could go longer than that. So like you're, you do have some concerns and like Justin Jefferson, he's the wide receiver one in most uh, leagues at worst two behind Chase. Um, And there's chance that he goes beyond like I hear you're hearing a lot of doom and gloom from uh, yeah. on Twitter that I mean a the team stinks they're one of four uh Kirk Cousin trades are being thrown around there like they're they haven't been able to win with Justin Jefferson so I don't know how they're going to win without him so at the end of that IR they could be that like the window if it opens up they could be one in eight at that point like they're in would they bring back Justin Jefferson at that point or just keep tanking keeping him on IR so you might be without him for an extended period of time, um, which, yeah, that, that's going to hurt a lot of teams. And then 
Devon Achan, he looks like an elite top, potentially 5, 10 running back in the league right now. Like every time he touches the ball, it's 15 yards. Like I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. He's averaging like 15 yards a touch. It's crazy. Um, and now he's going to miss multiple weeks. You don't know what it is yet or how serious they're saying it's not season ending. So hopefully he gets back. The offense definitely needs it. But that, that offense is just high flying anyway. So, yeah, you hate to see that. And Anthony Richardson, this one – it's tough because it's also it's like a serious sprain on his throwing arm. And the guy, he just keeps getting hurt uh, every time he yeah. plays right now. Um, and he's a big, strong guy, but so that it's definitely t- tough. Like, fortunately, if you have Garner Minshew, I think that's enough to get by. But again, Anthony Richardson was looking like a top five fantasy option the way he was playing. Um, so yeah, it it hurts more when you start seeing like elite play, like even seeing Kelsey. Missed time scares you, and then uh, Amon Ra and Barkley, like these guys being out. These are these are first and second round picks in redraft. Like these are the elite of the elite, and you're you're without them, so it's very tough. Yeah, no, it's huge, huge names, like you said, and it's not just a small injury where they are questionable and might not play this week, but they'll be back next week. We're talking long term injuries for these guys that are cornerstones of not only their real life NFL teams, but also most people's fantasy football teams. So. You know, there's a lot of opportunities out there, too, for guys that are going to have to step up. So we'll see who takes advantage of these injuries over the next couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, they're definitely devastating injuries. Yeah, but there were a couple of players who did come back. So it's, it's not it's all not all negative here. We, we want to start to uh, bring some positivity back to the pod. Uh, Cooper Cup came back and came back in a big way. He he was vintage Cooper Cup again. Like he didn't miss a beat. Um I believe, I think his final stat line, uh, what did he have? Eight receptions for 118 yards. And honestly, early on, it looked like he was going to go for like 20 receptions. Like they were feeding him often. Um, and the yeah. one thing that we also learned, he, he can coexist with uh, Puka Naku. So That's what I was just going to say. Very yeah, both of that. them uh, did really well. So I think you know the concern was that Puka would get pushed aside, but it seems like both of them can be sustainable. And you know, as a cup owner in redraft, it was great to see him get back out there and do well in his first game back. I thought, you know, from the beginning of the season, the injury was going to linger and he might miss more time than they were even saying. But to see him right back out there in week five and to have a big week is awesome for him. Yeah. And you know who uh, was the odd man at was the guy that this pot has been hating on is Van Jefferson. I think he played like two snaps or something, maybe two percent of two uh, percent of snaps. Uh, and then was immediately traded uh, to the Falcons after this week because they're like, yeah, we definitely don't need this guy with a uh, future <laughs> seventh and sixth round uh, pick swap um, to the Falcons, which the Falcons is also worse than hell if you're a wide receiver in that Arthur Smith offense, uh, which actually did look better this uh, week, which we'll get into, but sent them to one of the lowest pass rate teams in the NFL. Um, so. Yeah, not not a lot yeah. of uh, positive vibes for Van Jefferson. <laughs> no, unfortunately, I, but, I um, think he's going to be non-existent uh, fantasy-wise. Yeah, but someone who, who else came back, and we'll get into the, the bigger impact, is Burrow started to look kind of healthy. So we're all hoping that he's returning back to form because there's a lot of fantasy goodness to be had in uh, the Bengals' offense. But with yeah, that, we'll, we'll start uh, – you know what? That's a good leadway, right, Right, I think uh, – I think we should go into Smash Williams. Yeah, right. Your Smash Williams is a, I think, a member of the Bengals. 
Who do you want to give the award to? Yeah, you know, he was just outscored by DJ Moore on the week. Uh, and I know the owner of him in our league didn't actually win. Uh, but my Smash Williams pick is Jamar Chase. Uh, it's the performance you've been waiting for. We were just talking about Burrow and Chase last week and how Burrow's been such a letdown. But Chase finally popped off. He scored three touchdowns. He had 15 catches on 19 targets and 192 yards. That's what you've been looking for all season long if you drafted him. If you have him, you most likely won, unless you are playing the other guys in this category, which uh, I wish Joe was here because he's our Jamar Chase owner, and he actually did lose. Um, And I think it's because of an offense that you're about to talk about. Uh, Yeah, so... Jamar Chase was the wide receiver two, wide receiver two to DJ Moore. Uh, Talk about a bounce back uh, for DJ Moore. If you have him, you probably won your matchup on Thursday. Game was already over. Uh, He had 10 targets, eight receptions for 230 yards and three scores. The guy just kept breaking off long run after long run and firmly planting his flag as an elite option. Um, I'm not sure he can keep that type of efficiency up, but he was uh, averaging, what, over like nearly 30 yards a catch in this game. Um, but maybe, just maybe, the Chicago offense is uh, turning a corner here and becoming a pretty pretty strong option. So I'm giving my Smash Williams award to DJ Moore, but I do want to also give some credit to uh, Travis Etienne, who was the RB1 on the week. Um he got 30 touches between receptions and rushes for a total of, I think, 186 yards, maintained a super strong efficiency of over five yards per carry and 12 yards per catch with two touchdowns. I only want to give him a uh, an honorary mention because I actually was low on him uh, going into the season, thinking Tank Bigsby was going to get a lot more of the work than he currently is. I mean, Etienne is, is the featured back in uh, Jacksonville, so uh, a little honorary mention for the Smash Williams board. Um, yeah, and it's interesting to see that we have DJ Moore and Jamar Chase, you know, as the one and two here when the first four weeks of the season were, were pretty terrible if you were an owner of them. And then to have both of them go crazy in the same week and score three touchdowns uh, is great to see. That uh, That is a good point. These were players that you were you were starting to think, like, do I trade them and like and yeah. dynasty we weren't trading chase low like we you always knew his long-term value but dj Moore, maybe maybe we're starting to be like he's he's just tied to another terrible quarterback just the history of dj Moore. but uh yeah. he showed that he can uh either overcome or elevate fields game so we'll see what happens there but moving on to the he's all that award um i'll start off um i i'm rocking with brock purdy um, week five's QB seven playing against a uh, pretty strong Dallas D and he was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, Brock was the rock for his team going 17 for 24 at 71%, uh, completion rate only 252 yards, but four touchdowns, three of which went to Kittle who another very strong play this week. Um, but honestly, this guy just seems to be getting more and more comfortable in this offense um, as he goes on. I'm, he hasn't even played a full season, technically, uh, for the 49ers, I don't think. And, I, and although he doesn't have like the physical skills that wow you, like maybe a Josh Allen have or a Mahomes with certain throws, 
he does make very, very strong, impressive throws. With yet he, he puts the right amount of touch that gets like the right shape of arc that goes over the defenders. That literally, like you see them jumping and it's just out of their reach. And they, he's constantly hitting the receivers in stride. Um, but the biggest thing I've noticed for him is he's just processing the play so quickly. Like it's crazy how fast he goes through all he, his reads and knows exactly where the ball needs to go and does it immediately. And that's why I, the 49ers were like, they saw that too. And they were willing to give him uh, this, the lead job there and ship off trade Lance. Cause they're like, they've, you can just tell that this guy's operating on another level. So originally going into the uh, season, you may have thought this guy was a safe middle to back in QB2. He's looking much more than that. He's looking like he could be potentially in the top 15 quarterbacks uh, going forward in fantasy. So, And he's tied to an offense that's almost always going to be in the red zone. So he gets my – he's all that award. Yeah, and that's what I was just going to say. It's really that whole entire offense, right? It, it's kind of crazy, <laughs> but pick a position in that offense, and they're having an amazing season so far. They look pretty this- unstoppable. When you when you're in the red zone that often, like you're gonna get touchdowns. Like there, yeah. I mean, Chris McCaffrey was just what 14, 15 games straight with it. But like, yeah. <laughs> can't even talk about him. It's it's just insanity. Um, but yeah, my he's all that for this week was George Pickens, uh, mainly because the Pittsburgh Steelers are the thirtieth ranked offense. Now somehow they are miraculously three and two, but they are the thirtieth ranked offense. Um, Pickens had 25.6 fantasy points in week five. He was mediocre at best in a couple weeks. Uh, I think he had one good week too. Uh, I think his ups and downs are mostly a result of the quarterback play, but he's turning into a solid depth piece who is likely a stud if he had a better QB. He was drafted, you know, in the middle rounds of a draft. And right now he's wide receiver 13 on the year. So that's, pretty good value um, on an offense that hasn't looked great. So, you know, a lot of other people on that offense were expected to do better than they've been doing, but Pickens has been doing pretty well. Yeah. My bold prediction is, uh, although there, there were, there were pieces that were right. Um, but a lot of pieces that were wrong. uh, If you have that many pieces, you're going to get one, right? (laughs) Up all sprinkling them out. Uh, I was just like at the roulette table, I was just putting a lot of chips on the table. Um, yeah, Pickett not looking good. Deontay was fine until he got hurt. Najee just looks horrible. Like, I, I, yeah, in Dynasty, I think I might pinch him. Like, he doesn't look usable at all. Um, but I will say that the sleepers on the team that I kind of thought Pickens, he, he was getting a lot of hype, so it's hard to call him really a sleeper, but. I, I was calling that this is a guy that could uh, definitely show up. And Warren, I, I just want to call. I think Warren is – I think Warren, I would rather start over Najee like every week. I don't think it's like a question to me at this point. Um, but, yeah, that, uh, that offense yeah. did not improve from last year. Um, moving no, down to the it. Doug Flutie Hail, Hail Mary Award. Uh, right, uh, you got a couple here. Why don't you uh, toss them in? Yeah, so – I went with the top two Washington Commanders pass catchers. Obviously, McLaurin and Dotson. Oh, no. It's Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel somehow. (laughs) Uh, You know, you may have streamed them. I know uh, Dave here did start Logan Thomas. Uh, And if you did, you got 20. I did. (laughs) As a flex. As a flex. Uh, I'll give you credit for that one. 
Uh, he had 11 targets for nine catches, 77 yards and touchdown. He wasn't drafted as anything more than a depth bench, bench piece, yet he had more targets than both McLaurin and Dotson combined, who only had three and four each. And then Curtis Samuel, I feel like, has kind of come out of nowhere here. He had 15 fantasy points in week five, seven targets for six catches and a touchdown. He was also drafted very, very late and wasn't on anyone's radar yet. He has two solid back-to-back weeks and could be emerging as a streaming option going forward. So those are my Doug Flutie Hail Marys of the week. Yeah, I mean, these uh, it does not make sense to me that McLaurin and, and Dotson are not dominating more of the offense. Dotson especially, the biggest disappointment to me. I was huge on Dotson. So uh, they are just spreading the ball out in Washington. But I do got to say, Logan Tom- Thomas does look like – he is one of the focal points of this offense. Um, and it's pretty crazy because he was an up-and-coming tight end uh, a couple years ago. And then he had like a devastating knee injury and wasn't even sure if he was going to play again. And going into this, this season, he was like a little beat up in the offseason. But picked him up because I was like, yeah, I remember when he was kind of becoming a thing to see what would happen. And he's a thing. Like he is – I think he had like 11 targets, uh, you said. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, and then the tight end premium league like we have, uh, that is gold. Um, so yeah, that's why I was like, I I didn't I will say I did not expect it on a performance like that. I was like, oh, he's getting targets. If he catches five balls, that's five points, and then whatever yards on top of that, that's decent for a flex in a deep league. But uh, yeah, he, yeah, he was a hail mary for me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because I have McLaurin, and pretty much now I'm just like. Hopefully he gets five catches each week and yeah, yeah, exactly. get a few points out of him. And I just don't understand how the wide receiver one and two on the team are not producing, but there's other players on the team that are doing really well. It's just so crazy. Yeah, and Logan Thomas is also like the biggest red zone threat. They're always like looking to throw too. Too. It's it is weird. They have like elite wide receivers on the set. Like I would kill for the Giants to have Dotson and McLaurin, and they're just not using them. Yeah, it's crazy. But who do you got? I know you got a, an interesting offense to talk about as well. Yeah. So, yeah, the, my next two awards are interesting, uh, kind of connected. Uh, my my Hail Mary, because, like, if you started this guy, you have some uh, balls of steel um, or you're just desperation play. Because um, the QB6 on the week was Desmond Ritter. Yes, I'm as shocked as you are. Um, but if you watched him too, it wasn't like he just had a good fantasy day and just like stumbled into it, which we do see players do sometimes. He he looked good on the field and he won the game for the Falcons. He was strong from beginning to end. And then at the end of the game, after CJ Stroud threw a beautiful ball for a touchdown with a minute and 49 seconds left, that was too much time for Ritter. Uh, Ritter comes out and goes on a game-winning drive to kick a field goal uh, and win the game. He threw for uh, twenty, uh, threw for thirty-seven passes, completed twenty-eight of them for about seventy-six completion rate, which is very strong. Three hundred and twenty-nine yards, only one touchdown, but he also ran in another. Um, and he even made Kyle Parts, which we'll talk about in a little bit, a start-worthy option this week. Um, and the other thing that's crazy about this is like a first, he's Desmond Ritter. Everyone thinks thought he was terrible going this week. Uh, he, I think he was on Joey's shit list, but even his own teammate, Matt Collins, was yelling at him on the sidelines because of how bad he was last, uh, last week. Um, but the other thing is, like, they were playing the Houston Texans. Quarterbacks do not typically do well 
for fantasy against the Texans. Not because the Texans' pass defense is elite. It's because their rush defense is so bad that teams just run all over them and you don't have to pass. And you're thinking about, oh, this is the Falcons, Arthur Smith's offense. They got Bajan. They even got Algier. They're just going to run all the, the Texans. They did not. Both Bajan and Algier were actually pretty bad on the ground against uh, the, the Texans. But Ritter to the rescue. Uh, huge, huge day. Uh, if you force to play him as your QB2, which I know in our league, someone did actually have to do that. Man, did he come up big for you. Um, and honestly, if he can continue to look that good going forward, maybe he keeps the job for the full year. So we'll see what happens. But that leads me into my next uh, player for the Ferrari and trailer yeah. park. Um, Cause this is kind of a combo deal. It's Kyle Pitts. As I mentioned, if Desmond Ritter was slinging it, and if you've been a Kyle Pitts owner, you have uh, it has you haven't had a lot of days to celebrate. Um, but this was this is one you could celebrate, and I'm going to celebrate it. He was th- throwing the passes around. He got uh, I, th- I think it was what a, eleven targets, seven receptions for 87 yards. He was able to do this without a touchdown, um, and put up a, a pretty solid day. He only was, I think the tight end nine because you have guys like Logan Thomas who was going off, but still, this is a huge day for, for Kyle Pitts. Um, and if they're going to throw this often in this offense, which I'm not sure they'll throw this often, but they can keep it up around the 30 pass attempts. Kyle Pitts might become a more useful option going forward. Where honestly going into a lot before this week, you're, becoming very, very concerned for Kyle Pitts. But he stepped up in a matchup that you were not expecting him to. Yeah, I mean, I think it shows how concerned everyone is with Kyle Pitts when you're celebrating that he was the tight end nine on the week, right? I mean, this guy is expected to be a top tight end. Yeah, it's a win when he's the tight end nine. So, um, you know, the... They, they just keep finding a way to win somehow, too. I don't know how the Falcons are 3-2. and two. They, they don't seem that great, but uh, they're 3-2 and two right now, which is also interesting. Um, but yeah, my Ferrari in a trailer park, I put Zach Moss because, you know, JT is back. Most people probably moved Moss to your bench, and yet he scored 35 fantasy points in Week 5. 23 carries for 165 yards and two touchdowns. Also had a few catches. A lot of people probably moved him when they heard JT was playing. And JT only had six carries for one catch. So it was the Moss show for another week. Uh, you would assume the Colts didn't hand Taylor $42 million to sit on the bench, and he'll be ramped up pretty quickly. But with Moss performing the way he is and the Colts at 3-2, and two, tied for first uh, with the Jags, they do have the option to ease them in very slowly. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You have to start Taylor soon if you're the Colts, but sending Moss to the bench the way he's been performing isn't an easy call either. Yeah, I mean, how mad do you think Jim Irsay is that he pays Jonathan Taylor the bag and then Zach Moss goes off for that? Crazy. And I'm just going to go right into it. My 28 and three biggest dud slash letdown is Jonathan Taylor. For the same reason, you probably <laughs> instantly threw him in your lineup when you heard he was playing. Yep. Super pumped to start him. And he gets six carries the whole entire game. Uh, and it's not like he was coming back from an injury, he was just holding out. So he should be 100% healthy in reality. I know these guys ramp up, but. 
to only get six carries the first week back uh, and score three fantasy points is a huge dud performance from Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I, you you try running up and down the field carrying that much bags of money. Like it's not easy, Ryan. It's not easy for him. But uh, <laughs> it's, it it's funny because that news is what made you want. That that news is what made you want to start him, though. Like it, it did come out that there were he was not he was going to get eased back, but you were expecting a little bit more than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that timeshare is goes in the future. Like you know, it's going to be a ship, but how much? Like Zach Moss has been great. Do they just phase him out completely? It's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, if if we switch to redraft for a second here, what do you do with? Zach Moss. I mean, you don't want to miss out on another 35 point week, but with Taylor back now, do you keep throwing him in your starting lineup? You can't even like trade him because everyone knows it's going to vanish soon. It's honestly, you're just going to make the wrong decision no matter what you do. Um, There's like no winning in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Moving to my 28 to three letdown uh, pick, Devonta Smith. Um, he was set to dominate against the Rams day, which generally runs his own day. Um, and that's where Smith feasts with, uh, his route running, but it's also, and, and I was listening to a pod last week going into the matchup. It's also where tight ends typically feast too, because they find the soft pat and uh, spot in the zone. And well, it went to the tight ends. This one, uh, uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, or Goddard, whatever, uh, <laughs> was, uh, getting all the, all the targets, uh, leaving Devontae with a very sad stat line of five uh, targets for one reception and six yards. Um, Devonta is super talented. Like, it's undeniable. You watch the game, you see it. But this is multiple down games now for Devonta Smith. Um, and it's natural to start being a little bit concerned about someone who you were thinking could be a fringe wide receiver one. Um, but this offense is taking a bit of a step back under the new OC. Um, but they're... The other issue that we're seeing here is there's just too many mouths to feed for all these players to have a good game at once. And that's going to create a lot of volatility in this offense. Like there's a lot of points behind this offense, but it's, it's going to be hard to kind of see who it's going to come from. Um, and a lot of times the, the games just don't flow Devonta's way, um, unfortunately. And this was one where it didn't go to him. And if he doesn't, it, it seems like if he doesn't catch one of the long passes, he's probably going to have a bad day because he's not, generally going to be dominating like double digit targets most weeks. So you need him to break off a a pretty big catch. Um, So barring an injury, he's probably not going to be a weekly wide receiver one. I think going forward, still a super talented player. Dynasty is young. I'm not selling him uh, short, but just kind of, uh, you know, lower my expectation going into a matchup each week with what he could potentially do with a, a very, very low floor. Yeah, and you've been talking about Jalen Hurts for a couple podcasts now and how you've thought he's kind of looked a little off. Uh, So I think, you know, you might be seeing that a little bit, but that was always kind of the concern with Devontae Smith. He was drafted as a fringe wide receiver one, but he's only the wide receiver two on his own team. And that's always a little bit risky because if there's a game where A.J. Brown gets all the targets or the targets go to someone else like Godert, then, you know, there's not enough mouths to feed, like you said. So, uh you know, the targets will be there, but he could potentially be an up-and-down player for the rest of the year fantasy-wise. Yeah, but uh, 
Talk, rather than up and down players, Rob, why don't you tell me about a player who's just always down because he's just he's just you're not that guy, pal. Trust just me. not that guy. You're not that guy. Uh, who's your not that guy award? I didn't even change mine from last week, Dave. It's that bad. <laughs> I thought he was like, did he erase this? Or is it just he like left it in? <laughs> I left it right there. Sure, Doc uh, looks the same. <laughs> I'm talking about Mac Jones in back-to-back weeks. Uh, it, it's really that bad. He finished with negative 2.6 fantasy points in week five, two interceptions and a fumble, no touchdowns. That means over the last two weeks, he has scored a total of negative 2.9 fantasy points. And somehow, Belichick is still saying he will remain the starter. I got to assume that some of that Zappy uh, is just posturing, though. He, he's replaced him with Zappy in the last two games. So you would assume that the full-time switch has to be coming if Mac Jones doesn't start playing better. Um, and Daniel Jones, who I talked about last week, you know, he barely escaped being talked about back-to-back weeks because uh, he didn't look great either, but he's now dealing with a neck injury like we talked about. So, Not his fault. Mac not Jones' his fault. fault, but not, not Daniel Jones' fault. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah no, that, I was actually going to do Mac Jones, and so you had it in the show, Doc, and I was like, Ryan's right. That's that's really the not that guy award. But uh, I, there is one other guy that I feel like hasn't really been talked about before this week, and I don't, I'm not sure. I think we all were just kind of giving him a pass. He is dealing with an injury, but Miles Sanders finished last week with 1.2 points. He had only seven carries for 32 yards, one target, did not catch it, and fumbled the ball. Um, and this was after the week before, which is, again, why I don't know why we didn't uh, talk about it, where he only had 4.7 points on 13 carries for 19 yards. He had another three receptions for 13 yards. Like, yes, that's back to those are back-to-back horrible weeks of less than five points. But that is just like you could pick a guy off of waivers who scores more than that. Like I, Justin Watson, who I've got out of waivers in Dynasty, is, is a more reliable option than that uh, the past few weeks. And again, Sanders has been dealing with an injury. I think he missed practice again today. But I'm kind of starting to think he just isn't good. Because uh, he had like a couple down years in the past. It was like, is this guy really that talented? But then last year uh, with the Eagles O-line, it, he looked like a very strong running back. Um, but I'm starting to think that it's just the Eagles O-line that makes all running backs look good. He's, that, that O-line brought uh, DeAndre Swift back to life as well. Um, and now Sanders is looking exposed from a talent perspective in Carolina. And so, and the issue there too, is like, not only is the offensive line, not as good, the team as a whole is not that good. So they're not going to be in a lot of positive game scripts for a running perspective, which is why you start seeing these low carry counts, but he's not catching enough passes. Like that was what we were kind of hoping for out of Sanders is like, yeah, they're not going to be a good team. But he should be on the field a ton, and you would expect a rookie quarterback is going to check down to their running back a lot to avoid sacks. But Bryce Young hasn't looked strong and not been utilizing the check down as much. So you haven't been getting those fantasy points you were hoping for. But at least Sanders got the bag of about $25 million. But uh, I'm starting to think that this is someone you just honestly for the uh, short term, you just can't can't start until you start seeing something on the field because he's been that bad. Yeah, I mean, it's either that or it's similar to Jonathan Taylor where all that money is just weighing him down. Um, but the the concerning part for Sanders, too, is Shubba Hubbard's there, and 
he's playing just as many offensive snaps as Miles Sanders is. I think he actually even had more carries last week. He, he looks better, to be honest. Too. He, he looks looks a little bit better, and that could be the injury for Sanders, but definitely concerning when Chubba Hubbard is is looking like the more dominant back. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that it's disappointing too because like I I was believing in Sanders going into draft season. I thought he was going to be very good, and I when I think uh, our co-host uh, who's missing from this pod, Joe, he actually made a trade up in the startup draft to get Sanders, and I applauded. I thought it was a great move, but it uh, a lot has changed since then. A lot has changed since July. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It feels like a long time ago. Oh man, but. <laughs> Uh, I'm happy to see none of my players in the bad sections, but I will say I think uh, Kaffer and Mike Williams had about three of the blow-up players, so uh, bravo for that team. Um, but that leads me to giving a quick update on how our league, the Nonstop Fantasy Weekly Dynasty League, is performing. So we are five weeks in. Uh, the first division, Crope, is tied with me. I don't want to say tied with me, but he does have – a slight edge of about uh, what 116 points scored <laughs> over me. Uh, it's insane! It's insane how many points his team is scoring week his, after his, week. Yeah, his he has three of the five weekly highs, and he and we'll get to it. But he broke the record again this week. So his team, uh, we were saying that, like if the things if players hit, like he has the highest upside and can absolutely run through this league. And early in the season, so far he is doing it, but he does have one loss. And that's your boy. Uh, I uh, I think I have one of the second lowest points scored in the league. But I've been very consistent except for one week. I haven't scored less than 122 points in any week except for one. And that was the one week I lost. So, you know, staying above water. Just trying to get through. But uh, Croke definitely is a favorite in our division so far. Um, But then in Division 2, you got uh, Adam Cohen and Katz who are currently – Separating from the pack a little bit at four and one, and the rest of the division at two and three. Um, but Schluter, who is a very disappointing team out of Schluter right now, don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I feel like our division is still wide open though. Too Adam, unfortunately, is that team that has Jeff, Justin Jefferson, so he right, just lost right. him for some time, uh, and the rest of us aren't too far behind. So uh, I don't know if I would declare a winner there yet. Um, and, and I, even in terms of tanking, we thought, you know, is it time to try to get some more picks or anything like that? But I feel like everyone in that division is still in the running. I, I agree, actually. That That is a very good point. Adam was the uh, JJ owner, and his team has become a little bit more vulnerable now. It'll be interesting to see how, how he navigates it. He'll, he'll definitely have to make a move if he wants to kind of hold down that uh, top position. But, yeah, he's got a lot of people uh, – you know, snapping at his ankles here. So uh, I would call that a wide open division. And then moving down to division three, uh, looking still like the weakest division of them all uh, from top to bottom. You got two teams at three and two. Um, you got Matty Rowe and the uh, Clark and Sauce, Clark, Clark Sauce, as they are now going by. Um, they, they're kind of neck and neck for that title. I think a, literally a point separates. Uh, no, I'm looking at the, yeah, like four points separate them. Um, but then you got a two and three team and an zero and five team in Canales, which he's definitely looking to rebuild right now. Um, uh, but Kaffer and Mike Williams at two and three, they had a huge week this week and maybe turning things around. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. 
Yeah, uh, it's interesting that Canales is the only 0-5 team, and there's not even a 1-4 team. Uh, everyone else is either 2-3 and three or better. So, yeah, you would assume he's going to have a tough time making the playoffs at this point and might be looking to tank. And uh, this Division two, I feel like, is still pretty wide open for the other three teams. Uh, like you said, you know, Mike and Mike's team had quite the week as well in Week 5, so it could be on the up. Yeah, I, I agree. And like there, I was actually looking at this before the pod. There's eight teams that are either two and three and three and two. So there's a lot, a lot of playoff fulfills. And again, it's the top three seeds are decided by winning your division. But then there's three wild card teams. So a most of these, pretty much all the divisions, they're still pretty tight. It's still early in the season, um, even though certain. I'd say Crope is definitely like the favorite to win any of their own divisions, just based on the current strength of their their teams. Um, but there's the wild card. I think is good. That's going to be a very fun thing to watch because there's going to be probably like 10 teams, or I guess if you break that down, probably like seven teams at that point vying for like three spots. So it'll be very interesting to watch that. Yeah. A real close race so far. It's been pretty fun to watch. Yeah. And with it this past week, uh, alluded to it, we had, a. Uh, uh, some pretty, pretty high scores. So initially, uh, Kaffer and Mike actually broke the record for the highest score uh, in a week, only to subsequently have that broken again by Krope, who broke his previous record. Krope uh, scored a total of 185.46 points this past week, um, which continues the uh, – uh, the pattern of Crope and the Wilkinson brothers just trading off weekly highs. Uh, five weeks in, they're the only two, and they've gone every other week. But Crope, he's, it's the odd week, so he won it, um, and with a higher score, so he's taking the top one. For the low score, actually came from the Rosinski bros um, with 91.16, but that is still not enough to take the low record from the Wilkinson bros. Yeah, you know, Krope's being a little selfish here. He wouldn't let Mike and Mike take over the record. Had to go for it uh, right at the end there. Yep. But, uh, you know, we're not as selfish. So if anyone wants to come for a low score, <laughs> we'll allow it. Well, you'll share it. <laughs> yeah, we'll share it. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's all looking great when the lowest score of the week is 91 and we're in the 60s. So That's what I'm saying. This, this uh, 63 is a very, very tough low score to get to. Um, but, again, there's a lot of buys. I think week seven, you, you're going to have a good chance because there's a ton of buys week seven, and you mix in some injuries. I think there's going to be teams with some very scary lineups that they're starting. Yeah, that's our hope. We're hoping those those bye weeks uh, give us an opportunity to uh, lose the low score. That's right. But – Alas, this is week six that we're looking ahead on right now. Um, a few less buys this week, um, but some pretty interesting match- matchups in our league. And the one that I'm the most interested in, I think you have a vested interest as well, is you and I are squaring off. Um, seeing, I think yeah. this, this might be, is, is this our first host battle that we have so far in the, in the season? No, nah, Joe and I played each other. Joe and I played each other once. Um, and if, if our match goes anything like that match did, Joe and I played each other, and it came down to the last 50 seconds of the last game of the week. We were winning 
Kyron Williams rushes for the end zone, doesn't get in. We would have won the very next play. Stafford throws a touchdown. Joe had him. Joe wins the week. So uh, we'll see if ours is as interesting as that. Um, But yeah, should be a good matchup. I'm going to have to see if I have any Monday night guys. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, it might be a strategy throwing a Monday nighter. Got to keep it alive, but man, that'll be a fun one. But what, what game are you looking forward to? You know, I was looking at Mike and Mike versus Crope. Uh, both of them just went off for over 180 points. So both teams, you know, juggernauts right now. We'll see if uh, Mike and Mike can get revenge for Crope stealing that high score from them at the last second. Yeah. That uh, revenge is a dish best served cold. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, and, and as far as like fantasy and real NFL goes, uh, I'm very interested to see if Burrow is actually healthy against the Seahawks this week. And also if uh, Christian McCaffrey can keep his uh, touchdown streak up to, I think it's 15, or w- he'll make it 15 straight. But uh, those are just a couple things I mean, for me. Other than that, no, not too many games that excite me. <laughs> Yeah, same. I mean, we talked about that offense. You would assume CMC has a pretty good shot of making it 15 weeks straight, so we'll see. Yeah, I just don't see how anything stops that offense from getting to the red zone. If they're in the red zone, it's going to McCaffrey. Yeah, one red, one red zone trip, Absolutely. he'll have that 15th straight week. I feel like the team knows it too, so they're just like, we just get like, first touchdown, let's just get it to McCaffrey, let's just keep this trend going. Um I, I, I keep betting the uh, anytime touchdown score, so you just keep feeding that money in there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we'll see what else happens in week six. Uh, another good week of football. That's right. And uh, and we're hoping uh, the best of luck to you in your matchups as well, unless you are playing any of us in our fantasy or your division, mate. I hope you all lose. Um, but thank you again for listening to the MSFW Dynasty Podcast. We really appreciate it. Good luck, everyone. Thanks, everyone. SFW Dynasty Podcast. Tune in next time 